This is the Frog for Life podcast. I'm your host, Rob Berline. As far as social work goes, I mean, what what drew me there, I think, looking back, is that I did volunteer a lot. Um, I sought out different opportunities, so even um, in summers in between college, I would go different places um, and work at different um, either camps or, or organizations just to gain that experience. So. Um, I would say the Department of Social Work really made me into the professional I am. That is the voice of Lauren King, who is the Executive Director of the Tarrant County Homeless Coalition. Lauren will talk about her experience as the Executive Director, as well as what the Homeless Coalition does to help those underserved in our community. And we are very excited today to be joined by Lauren King. Lauren is the Executive Director of the Tarrant County Homeless Coalition, and we will get into all the great professional things she's doing now, but the reason she's with us today is because she is a 2003 graduate of TCU. So, Lauren, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here with you. So, before we get into your time at TCU and what you're doing now, why did you decide to come to TCU? (laughs) So I had actually, I grew up in Fort Worth, so I've been around TCU for a long time. Um, I think for me, TCU just felt like the place I was supposed to be. Perhaps people say that, but um, felt like home, felt like I belonged. So um, it was a good fit. Um, I will say I grew up um, going to University Christian Church, so grew up in the Disciples' Faith, so had a lot of connections um, with people at TCU growing up as well. So um, I think I was just drawn here, and it was, it was a great fit. And people that grow up around here, they have this idea of what it's going to be like actually living at TCU. And they've been to campus a lot as a child and seen visits. So did the on-campus experience live up to what you thought it was going to be in your mind? Maybe what were some of the, the things like, oh, I didn't know that. So I think for kids who grew up in Fort Worth, you kind of have this like, oh, am I really going to be away at college? Um, for me, I felt really fortunate. My parents were very much... Um, like, yes, you're going away. You need to have your college experience. Um, I think the experience absolutely lived up to it. I think I went home less in the first semester than I would have expected, which was, which was great. Um, and my parents were totally fine with, um, you know, went back home for Christmas holidays, which is just, you know, a mile or two away. So that was different, but, um, and it was really good actually having my family here because people that I met here that were perhaps from, Um, either further away in Texas or across the U.S., it was really nice for them to also have a family here. So that made, um, that was different for us, and that was a really, really positive thing. Um, So went away, you would, you would have think, you would have thought that I would have, like, gone home to do laundry or something like that. I actually did not do that. Um, I lived in Colby and just, yeah, lived lived the full (laughs) life there and um, lived my life here. I did, my mom actually worked on campus um, when I was at school here, so I would go have lunch with her on Fridays. Uh, but, you know, as a college student, a free lunch on uh, on a Friday is always a good thing. So we would do that and, uh, you know, see everyone around occasionally. But, yeah, I definitely had the, um, I would say, the full college experience and, and went, really went away, even though it was only a couple miles. And what were some of those activities and clubs you got involved in as part of that full student experience? Yeah, so I um, was in a sorority. So I was um, a Theta here at TCU and really enjoyed that, um, did a lot with my sorority and got involved in that way. Um, I also involved was participated in student government as well. So in some of the subcommittees that planned events around campus. Um, 
And then in addition to that, I think I really, um, after I figured out what I wanted to do with myself, um, really sank myself into that and started to um, get involved in different volunteer opportunities, find different internships to really expand my experience there. So I spent a lot of time doing that. Um, I also worked at the bookstore the entire time Mm -hmm. I was here at TCU. So when I got accepted, um, my senior year of high school actually went and got a job at the bookstore. And so worked there throughout college and um, had that experience too. The bookstore a few iterations ago from what it is now. Definitely, yes. <laughs> I think it was in the it's in the same spot it was in, but totally different building. So, <laughs> um, well, a part of coming to college is the experience, but also there is an academic side to it, as we all unfortunately remember. Um, what you majored in social work, so why did you decide to major in social work? Um, so I think I will say. I did not actually declare social work until TCU made me declare a major, (laughs) Um, but I do really think I found, I'm still in the field, so I think I really found what I was supposed to do. It just took me a a little while to get there. Um, After I got there, it was kind of like, why didn't I do this earlier? Um, The academic experience was really good. I did have a lot of fun while I was at TCU, so it was good when I found what I was supposed to do to really, um, you know, get me focused on that. Um, As far as social work goes, I mean, what what drew me there, I think, looking back, is that I did volunteer a lot. Um, I sought out different opportunities. So even um, in summers in between college, I would go different places um, and work at different um, either camps or, or organizations just to gain that experience. So um, I would say the Department of Social Work really made me into the professional I am. They have an incredible program. Uh, then and even now, and I think as a student, you don't necessarily appreciate that as it is with a lot of things in life, but um, they, um, yeah, really mold great social workers. Um, one thing that they have people do is you ha- you're required to take the licensure exam before you graduate, and so that's something really unique and a very high caliber thing that our program specifically does. Um, but yeah, I mean, the professors there uh, really, like I said, molded me into who I was. I was able to figure out what I wanted to do and also what I didn't want to do, so um, what I was good at, they, they did a good job at challenging. I think a lot of times, you know, when we come to college, we have grown up in our household and perhaps, you know, with one set of values. And so being able to really um, figure out what your own values are. And I think everyone does that during college, but really then how that relates to your uh, career is, is important too. So. And social work is such a wide field that you can go into so many different areas. What was it that you, upon graduation, decided to first step your foot into? Um, So my entire career, I've actually been in homelessness and poverty. So that has been my focus area. I think um, I have thought a lot about this and people say social workers go into the field for one of two reasons. Either they've had a really good life and they want to um, give back and and facilitate other people having that life or something has happened to them in their life and they want to impact whatever that issue was. Um, I actually fall into the first category where, you know, I've thought back. I think one of the reasons I do what I do is because, you know, as a kid, I never worried about would the lights be on? Would I have food to eat? Would I have school clothes that fit? Um, Just those basic needs that a lot of kids in our community and across the U.S. do worry about. Um, I did not have that. I, you know, even when you think about coming to TCU or coming to any any university, just for for me and for I'm sure a lot of people who come to TCU, it's a very yeah we're gonna I'm gonna go to college after high school a very natural next step, um, and that's not the case for everyone. So I um, feel very fortunate in that way. Um, so I have focused primarily um, actually solely on poverty and homelessness. 
Um, even at my internship uh, here while I was at TCU, um, was at one of our local homeless shelters. So that's kind of where I got my start. Um, I will say in that internship, I kind of realized I did not want to do direct service. So I think when people think about social workers, you're right. They, they do. We do have a very broad, um, a wide array of things that we can do with our with our degree. But um, a lot of times people think about that direct service. Um, I knew really early on I did not want to be a case manager. Um, it just I would um, burn out in a heartbeat, I think. And so, you know, some people say they want to change people who are in systems, but I like to change systems that people are in. So um, that's been my approach to, to social work in my throughout my entire career. And the, the homeless poverty, it's a very, very unique world. Um, a lot of different moving parts, people there for all sorts of reasons. I'm sure the, especially going to TCU, um, there's probably a culture shock moment for you as you do your internship that, you know, I'm not, I'm only a mile or two away from, you know, my, my bedroom, but this is a completely different world. Mm -hmm. So you remember that, maybe that first aha moment for you that like, oh, wow, we are, you know, maybe I'm a little bit more thankful today than I was, you know, yesterday. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, um, working, (laughs) doing an internship at a homeless shelter will absolutely do that to you. A huge aha moment I had actually in that experience was that um, one of my clients actually had a master's in social work. Um, and so that was a very like, wow, okay, this this can really happen to anyone. And um, I think that's one, even today, whenever we're talking about homelessness, um, where I work and you know with partners, I think one thing that's hard for people to talk about around homelessness is the fact that it it feels close. So if you start to actually talk about people's situations and say, you know, my neighbor's kid had this, or so-and-so struggles with mental health. Um, it's a little too close because people realize like, oh, I also have a family member that that happened to, or I have a friend who I know that happened to. And so it, then it kind of, uh, you kind of have a light bulb that, wow, this, this really could happen to anyone, regardless of what your situation is at the moment. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's had a lot of aha moments there. And you're currently the executive director for the Tarrant County um, Homeless Coalition, but that that's been as a progression through your career so tell us how you got to where you are today and some of the different roles you've seen sure so i have like i said i've stayed i've actually stayed in um, homelessness and poverty my entire career so i mentioned that i started out interning at one of our local homeless shelters at arlington life shelter Um, then after i graduated with my master's so i went um down the road a few hours for my master's degree at a different university and um we after that i actually started working at safe haven which is our local domestic violence shelter so they have two shelters one in fort worth one in arlington um, but they were actually did fundraising so um, coming out of graduate school knowing that um i did not have a lot of experience i wanted to get into something else besides case management and for me fundraising was the way i could still support the mission so still educating people about the issue helping raise money for the issue and ultimately helping case managers and other um, programs do their jobs so i worked at safe haven for a little while then i moved to catholic charities um, under another tcu alum there um, was the executive director at the time and stayed at Catholic Charities for six years um, and did a variety of things, actually started in fundraising and then moved more into their poverty programs. So um, they had a financial assistance program, but then we started financial education, credit counseling, and moved into homelessness programs there as well. Um, Catholic Charities was really unique. Um, The executive director was very entrepreneurial. And so for me, once I started um, 
a program. I knew one, how to build a program and also how to raise money for it. So once I did that a couple of times, they let me just continue to do it. Um, so that was a unique experience that was a really, really good fit for me. When I, I, at the same time when I was at Catholic Charities, I was actually, I taught at TCU. So I um, taught an intro to social work class, um, just one a semester for many semesters. Um, some uh, professors don't love that class because it's not social work majors. And so they probably feel like you're not getting into the issue. I'm on the other side of the coin where I actually love that class because you don't have a lot of social work majors. And so, um, like I mentioned, you have a lot of times where you're you know, talking about a lot of different social issues and really challenging what people have grown up with and, you know, why do you think the way you think and really helping them look to see, you know, why they feel a certain way. And also, you know, I think when we, when we all go to college, we have a realization that, oh, we, we think like our parents think at the moment um, and then really come into their own. So I really enjoyed that. Um, when I left Catholic Charities, I actually came back to TCU and helped get the master's program off the ground. So now um, TCU also has a master's in social work program um, as well, really um, well known and very rigorous as well. So I um, really enjoy that program, but helped get that off the ground. Had a brief stint abroad. Um, so we, my husband and I moved abroad. We moved to Switzerland for four years and um, did that. It was a great experience. We traveled a ton. Um, one of our children were, was born there. Um, and it just, yeah, changed perspectives and we wanted to do that for a long time. So I took a break, um, in Switzerland, um, I did not speak either of the languages, um, fluently. So, um, I was not able, there, there were a number of English speaking companies there, but, um, it's kind of interesting cause they don't look very fondly upon changing careers. So I could have gotten, you know, um, an admin job or something like that at one of the large, large international companies, but um, they very much have the attitude of, well, that's not what your field is, so why would you do that? So I took a break, and um, like I mentioned, we had one of our children there. We moved back, and we were both, uh, my husband had a good opportunity to come back, and I was ready to do something professional uh, again. And so then I actually joined the Homeless Coalition. So when I joined the Homeless Coalition, um, we had been, I mean, I won't say quasi-governmental, but solely focused on governmental funding. So I joined as the director of development, the first one they'd ever had. Um, we had not done any private fundraising prior to that. So um, that was a big change uh, for our organization and something that has taken a number of years to build. And even now I have to remind myself, okay, it's only been, it's only been <laughs> four years that we've been trying, you know, fundraising and reaching out and making these mm -hmm. relationships. Um, so I started as the um, director of development, have had a couple iterations of that as we've moved more into community education and, you know, seeing what that what that program and department needs to look like. Um, and then in June of last year, I took over as interim executive director and then was um, got the job full like officially in December of last year. So and it's been it's been a ride, that's for sure. So it's an exciting time. So when someone asks executive director of the Homeless Coalition, what does that entail? I mean, it entails a lot of different things. Um, I've had a number of people tell me that I'm kind of like half politician, half nonprofit uh, worker, if you will. Uh, but homelessness is a pretty political issue. So um, definitely have to do some political maneuvering there as far as learning how to respond to neighborhoods, um, how to respond to elected officials. We always have that push and pull with our elected officials uh, because they, they hear from their constituents. But in reality, they're relying on the nonprofits that we serve to actually do the work that they need to actually make that response and do that work that they need. And so having that close working relationship is really, really important. 
um, definitely some fundraising, um, looking at and planning lots of different um, system changes. So um, a little bit about the Homeless Coalition. So our mission is that we're a catalyst for community change. So we don't actually do direct services. So we work with um, all the agencies that people probably think of when they think of homelessness. So that all the shelters, outreach teams, housing programs, anyone that directly serves the homeless. So we're a systems level organization. Um, and so we, like I said, we do lots of planning. We wanna make sure that we're maximizing all the resources that are coming into Tarrant County um, and really ensuring that we're, we're being good stewards of those across the board. Um, what else is, I, I mean, I will say it entails a lot of meetings <laughs> and meetings before the meetings to make sure they go as we need them to go. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit of what it, what it entails. Um, so yeah. So about the Homeless Coalition, so if someone needs to seek shelter and they call you up, they don't say, hey, I want to come sleep in your building. You say, these are the resources we have, and you direct them exactly. to the different resources around Tarrant County. How many shelters are there around Tarrant County? So there are eight shelters in Tarrant County, um, and they serve a variety of populations. So we have, um, I mentioned Safe Haven, that's specifically for domestic violence. So that's for people who are fleeing um, an abusive relationship. Um also have a couple of shelters that are specific for families. So we know that families are a special population. Um, we don't want them, um, we want them to be as protected as they can be. So we have a number of shelters for families. Um, and then the other group that we have a specific shelter for are youth. So ACH Child and Family Services um, operates a shelter for youth, uh, I wanna say from 10 to 17. It's kind of a test for me. Um, so they op uh, operate that youth shelter for us as well. And in the last 18 months, I'm sure there's been a whole, you know, very different world with the pandemic. So what, beyond the obvious, what challenges did that really present to you? And what changes did you guys have to make to, to your systems? Yeah, so definitely a lot of challenges. However, I feel really fortunate because we as a system are very cohesive. So before the pandemic hit, um, a couple of years ago, we had actually restructured um kind of our, our planning board, involved more elected officials, um, repopulated the board. And so we already had all of our partners at the table, um, which I will not call anything about COVID easy, but I guess made it easier for us to be able to shift and change and really have that cohesive response. So as an example, um, we, throughout the pandemic, we have worked really, really closely with JPS, which is our local health system here, and um, Tarrant County Public Health to determine what kind of health precautions we needed to put in place for our shelters. Um, There's a lot of talk about nursing homes at the beginning of the pandemic. And, um, but if you think about shelters, they, I would say are the congregate of congregate. Often you have potentially hundreds of people sleeping in one open room. And so really looking at how, you know, how do we keep people safe? Um, there was some fear, I will say, just in our community in general that um, COVID would spread really quickly in the homeless population and they would be spreading it to other parts of the community. Um, the opposite actually happened where we did not have a lot of cases of COVID. Um, our population is pretty isolated and we, a lot of our partners stopped using volunteers and did some different things, um, but we had that cohesive response. So for example, we have um, a COVID screening that everyone does as they enter shelter. And every shelter that we have has the same COVID screening. So they're all asking the same questions. Um, they're all looking for certain responses. And then based on that, then they'll um, follow a different protocol and either send them to get tested or whatever needs to happen. So um, it's been really good that we've had that. We haven't had, you know, eight shelters doing eight different responses because then things are just kind of all over the place um, and potentially not as safe. So 
Um, yeah, so it was, it, it has been interesting, like I said, and I will say we constantly change, right? So we initially were meeting on a daily basis as a group, probably 50 people just on a call, um, just because things were changing so quickly, as I'm sure everyone remembers. At this point, we are meeting once weekly, and it's just a 30-minute meeting just to say, you know, here's what's happening, here's how many cases we have, um, do we need to make any changes? So a small example would be on our temperature screening. Um, in the summer, we actually raise the temperature because it's hot outside. Often people experiencing homelessness are outside during the day. And so us knowing that if we had, you know, if we said, okay, if you have, I don't know, let's call it 99, um, you know, you might have that in the winter or the fall, but in the summer, if you've been outside when it's 100 degrees, we're going to have an onslaught of people who don't meet the temperature requirement. And so really working with our medical professionals to figure out what that looks like has been important. So, Because when you think of, a, of the homeless population, the one thing you don't think of is social distance. <laughs> yeah. So when you talk about the changes, is there, did you guys have to make sure there was so much space between beds or places or mm -hmm. is there partitions and... We did, yeah. So our shelters did, and we um, helped them with that. So all of our social, all of our shelters are still socially distanced. Um, so our shelter bed, the number of beds that we have are down. Um, so they are socially distanced. Everyone is masking. Um, we had loosened up a little bit, like everyone else had. Um, once we started doing vaccines, we have had access to vaccines like almost the entire time it's been out. So that's been a really um, fortunate thing. Um, JPS and public health really prioritized both the staff and our system as a whole for shelters and outreach teams, um, along with the, the population of people experiencing homelessness. So that was really a positive thing. Um, but yeah, shelters are socially distanced. Everyone is masked regardless of vaccine status. Um, eating times or meal times are spaced out now. So instead of having um, let's call it 50 people in the cafeteria at one time. You actually space those meals out and or deliver them and have people eat in different areas. Mm -hmm. um, so lots of different things happen there. The CDC actually has really good guidance. And so, again, public health really helped us figure out what that looks like. And honestly, for shelters specifically, every shelter is set up differently. And so having actually walking through and being able to say, okay, here's what you need to do in this area was really important. Um, so we were able to, to help facilitate that as well. And I'm sure under normal circumstances, this pandemic has been hard. But if we go to February of 2021, <laughs> there was a ice storm that hit uh, all of DFW. And I'm sure that caused a lot more even uh, concern. So <laughs> if you can without, you know, your stress level rising, can you walk <laughs> us through what that week was like for you? Sure. Um, yeah, that was yeah a challenge on top of a challenge, right? Um, and I will say in regard to the pandemic, you know, we're a crisis response system, and so we, we have felt like, you know, we're putting essentially a crisis is on top of a crisis re response situation. So it's it's been interesting. So about the ice storm. So um, that was a difficult um, time. We did have a couple shelters in Fort Worth who were out without power for about 40 hours. Um, that was challenging for sure. Um, I do appreciate elected officials worked really hard on that, um, understanding that we had hundreds of people who were in these, these shelters um, that needed assistance there. Um, most stayed inside um, and, you know, we were able to hand out different, not we, um, shelters were able to hand out additional blankets, provide warm food. We have done a lot of preparing on the, on the back side of things to say, okay, if this happens again, what do we need to do? So having some emergency kitchens available would be helpful. Um, all of our shelters now are looking at how do they do different generator setups, um, 
So, so yeah, I mean, I would say probably the most challenging part was that um, we had a number of shelters who were without power. The other challenge really was people who chose to stay outside. So we encouraged people to come inside clearly because it was so cold for so long. Um, but you will always have people who choose to stay outside. You can't force them to come inside. Um, but so I'm thankful we have a really close working relationship with the police department and with the fire department. And so, I mean, they were out putting their heads in people's tents every morning just to check on them, make sure they're okay, see if they needed anything. So, um, yeah, it was, it was challenging, but, um, you know, we made it through and then, you know, try to take some lessons away from that to figure out what to do the next time. So. And if there's someone listening to this that, you know, they have a heart for, um, this community, what are ways that TCU alumni can get involved? Sure. Um, so there are a number of ways. One thing the Homeless Coalition does is we encourage people to get involved um, with our partners. So with the shelters and outreach teams, um, we have all of our partners listed on our website. Um, so I'm sure we can include that information uh, so that people know about that. Definitely you can volunteer your time. So nonprofits are always looking uh, for people to volunteer their time. Um, and I would say we have opportunities, anything from very warm and fuzzy, like serving meals, um, doing tutoring with kids, um, you know, working on sorting clothes, handing those clothes out, ensuring people have their basic needs met, all the way to at the Homeless Coalition, we actually use a lot of skills-based volunteers. So we, um, you know, are a systems level. One of the things, one of the big jobs that we have is that we manage all the data. So everyone who serves uh, people experiencing homelessness enter into a central database. And so we manage that data. And so we'll have people come in, um, whether it be, you know, predictive analytics team or um, a group that, you know, builds different, mo does different modeling and things like that. Um, so if people have skills that they have in their professional job and they want to apply it to uh, a different field, we encourage people to do that as well. So really volunteer opportunities really spans the gamut there, just depending on what your interest is. Um, definitely you can give in-kind items. So if you have clothes or food, um, I would say we encourage you to work with an agency. Um, do not go down and just hand out food or just dump clothes on the side of the street. Mm -hmm. um, it's really detrimental for the neighborhood and we're trying really hard to support neighborhoods better. Um, so I would really, really encourage you to work with an established nonprofit and really um, be part of the larger kind of system that, that um, does that so that we can both help agencies, help people, um, and also make sure you help the neighborhoods. Um, and then, of course, the other ways that they can, you know, people can give money. Um, I would be remiss if I did not mention that. Um, that's what allows our partners and the Homeless Coalition to really run our operations and, and serve the community. And that's a really interesting point you brought up about um, people handing out food and clothes is that you see a lot of churches and, and civil groups. They just they say, we're going to get 10 people together on Saturday. We're going to go down to Lancaster yep. and start handing things out. So if there is a group that wants to do that, what... What, how many groups are there um, that you guys service? That, who should they contact rather than just say, we're just going to set up shop on the corner? So I would say if, if people would get in touch with us at the Homeless Coalition, we can um, kind of walk you through what different partners do and help you figure out who the best match is for you. Um, one thing we do is actually bring together all of our partners a lot, but specifically related to what their needs are. So we try to keep our finger on the pulse of that. Um, so people actually have another TCU alum who works for us in that area, Audrey Klein. Um, she is our staff member who coordinates all of the volunteer and in-kind opportunities. So if people want to reach out, you can reach out to Audrey and um, figure out kind of what's the best match for you. How do you give back? We're really encouraging people to um, 
try to get more involved on the housing side. So once people are, are in housing and have a place to call home, um, to give back there. Because often people, there are hungry people who are in apartments um, and you know looking for ways to make community and that sort of thing. So that's a really good fit uh, for churches to fellowship and that sort of thing. So we're really encouraging people to get involved over there. And you've been with the, the Homeless Coalition for over four years. You've seen it grow so much, as you talked about, with the, the development. What is your vision that you want for it to be, you know, in another four-plus years? Um, I mean, my, like, perfect world scenario would be that we're focused on housing. So, um, and not that we're not necessarily addressing homelessness, but housing is the solution to homelessness. Um, and, you know, in, in four years, I would love to see us um, mostly focused on housing. I would love to see our community in a place where... We have truly transformed how we respond when people have a housing crisis. So um, the question becomes, how quickly can we get people out? That's our question now, too. And we're finally in a place where uh, we actually have enough help to help people. Um, right now, physical units are actually our biggest issue. So I would say if you're a landlord or a property owner and if you mm -hmm. want to work with us, and we have a landlord engagement program as well, um, if you want to give people a second chance at housing and you can choose different populations, but if you want to give people a second chance at housing, we also have that opportunity. Um, but yeah, I would love to see our, our community really focused on that. The Homeless Coalition really focused on that, how we develop that housing um, to make sure everyone has a place to call home and also to prevent homelessness. So um, the cheapest and most efficient way for us to address homelessness is through homeless prevention. And so really ensuring that people are kept stable, don't lose their housing in the first place um, to kind of stop that, stop that inflow and, and having to have that response. And has that been something with the governmental assistance with the um, eviction moratorium there was? I was sure that that, that prevented a big influx, but mm -hmm. as those benefits start to go away, have you started to see more and more of the results of those things? We have not. Um, Tarrant County, and we've been pondering why this is different for us. Um, we are in a unique position where um, this year, so every year we do a point in time count, um, and that's just a snapshot every January of how many people are homeless. Um, this year that went down by 43%. So historically we've had about 2,000 people who are homeless on, on any given day. Um, right now we're sitting at a little less than 1,000. We kind of thought the count in January may have been a fluke because we did it differently just because of COVID. Uh, but our month over month trends have still shown that our homeless numbers are down by 30 to 40 percent every month. Um, not month over month, but as a comparison mm -hmm. to pre-pandemic. Um, we also have not seen a huge influx into homelessness because the eviction moratorium has been lifted. And we do think it'll be a trickle. Um, one thing to note about evictions, and not that they are not detrimental, but... Um, only about 2% of people who get evicted ever become homeless, in our area at least. Um, and that has historically been true, and that, that still remains true. Um, we, one of the things I mentioned that we manage the data, so one of the things we do is actually compare the eviction list against um, our data to see who we can catch. So people who have experienced homelessness before are the most likely to fall back into it. And um, so if we can catch them and prevent them from falling back in, we're going to try that. Um, yeah, so we're at... Um, I mean, I won't say a crossroads, but we're at a definitely a place where we have a jumping off point because our numbers are so down right now um, and because we have so much assistance coming into the community. So it's pretty incredible. Um, this is the lowest. I mean, I've been in the field for almost 15 years, and this is the lowest the number's been probably in that entire time, for sure, for the at least 10, for the last 10 years. Um, 
yeah, so we we're watching and we have a plan and you know what what does happen if we have a big wave, how will we handle that inflow? Um, but we've been really, really intentional about the fact that um, we need to keep moving people out of homelessness as quick as we can. Um, in case there is a big inflow, because if there is, we want to be able to respond to that and, and help people get rehoused. So it's different for most for most organizations. They want their customer account to go up. You want your customer clients to be non-existent. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Um, well, to bring it to a happier happier point, <laughs> um, we you are here with us here um, on the campus of TCU. So when you think you know, kind of where your journey all started and where our conversation started. What are some of the most, um, the best memories you have of your time on this campus? I mean, there are a lot of them. Like I mentioned that I had a lot of fun um, (laughs) before I found my my calling of social work. So um, I would say, you know, lots of fun with my college roommates. Um, So I was someone, I actually went potluck with my college, my freshman roommate, and we lived together for five years after that. Um, It was always interesting. I would see, we would see other people who lived with us in Colby and um, they would say, oh, you guys are still together. Uh, Yeah, we're still together. Um, So, and then we added a third. Um, So we had lots of fun there. Um, The three of us actually had a house down the street from TCU and um, had lots of good times there, lots of parties. 9-11 just passed. And so it's, it's a very vivid college. Clearly that's not a good college memory, but it's a very vivid memory that I have at TCU. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people can say this is exactly where I was. Um, what else? Let's see. Um, I mean, TCU did a lot of fun things. Um, when we were here, lots of concerts, lots of outdoor activities, um, similar to what happens now. Um, so those are lots of good memories. I will say I've had a lot of good memories after college as well. Um, my husband's also a TCU alum. And so we, we did not know each other at TCU. We met afterwards, but, um, you know, of course, I think I'm sure everyone talks about the Rose Bowl. So we went to the Rose Bowl, <laughs> um, have traveled a lot for TCU sports, had a number of years pre-kids where we went to nearly every bowl game that we that that TCU football team uh, was asked to go to. So that was always a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so that's that's probably probably a few of them. When you bring up the Rose Bowl, you're uh, we've done I think you're about the 55th, 60th guest. And I think all of them have said the Rose Bowl. And you combine that with their families. I know what the capacity of the Rose Bowl is. It's a lot. I'm really just, you know, I think I want to relook at the attendance count because yeah. everybody says they were there. So it's, and I believe everyone's telling me the truth. So yeah. it's just, you know, if you were at the Rose Bowl, you probably should talk to us. So, so I mean, I will say probably being in social work, right? Like I love a good underdog mm-hmm. uh, whenever we're able to prove people wrong, that sort of thing. So, um yeah, I mean, it was just, it was a lot of fun, yes, with our, with our family and, um, you know, just, yeah, a, a very exciting time. So I don't know what, it's, you know, I think people who went there, uh, or, you know, who were around when that happened are very, very aware of it. So, yeah. Well, thank you, Lauren, for joining us today. Again, we encourage all our alumni to get involved with the Tarrant County Homeless Coalition. We'll put links uh, in the description of this podcast on our social media sites. We will link um, to Lauren's uh, sites as well. Um, so everyone get involved. There's so many ways, um, you know, learning that there, if you could be, if you're predictive analytics, I don't think many people would know you can get involved with the homeless coalition. That's just, it's more than just serving food and blankets, which is, which is great for people to get involved with. But thank you again for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Frog for Life podcast. 
If you or a friend or family member would like to get in touch with us to share your story, please contact us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at TCU Alumni. We look forward to sharing our next story of how TCU alumni are changing the world.